In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection antivirals to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. All right, Alif, uh, thanks again for joining us. Now, uh, we're talking about the, um, again, the connection between the modern-day UFO phenomenon and its prophetic significance uh, from a, a, a Christian perspective. And the modern-day UFO phenomenon's um, a connection to uh, biblical end of days and the second coming of, of Christ. We were talking just towards the tail end of hour one uh, about Ezekiel's vision. Yes. We're all, we're all familiar with Ezekiel's wheel. Yes. Uh, and he's describing one of these these vehicles, these crafts, right? And you were describing the vehicle that God himself rides. Yes, that's right. So in in the book of Psalms, we hear about the Rechev Elohim, which is, the I believe, the vehicle of the angels. But in Isaiah 66, when it says, For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and in his chariots, another word is used. It comes from the same word, uh, root word, to ride, but the word here is Merkeva. And so, you know, one of the Israeli tanks is called Merkeva because it actually kind of means carriage, you know, something that carries you. And we see that it's even put on the decoration of the temple. David, you know, tells Solomon, you know, put the Merkeva on, on the decoration of the temple, the mercy seat. And Ezekiel has a vision of it. So we actually get a glimpse of what this looks like. Um, and it has this crystal um, field thrown on it, these four magnificent beings underneath it. And next to them, there's two wheels intertwined to each other. And the wheels are made of crystal as well. And then God commands the angels, the angels command the wheels, and they can turn in any direction. 
and then they carry him. So God's throne is actually a moving throne. Um, this, this presence of God comes over the Lord and takes him up, this white cloud that he ascends to, because they see him in the book of Acts and takes him to the throne um, at the temple of the heart of time and space, the throne of God. Something carries the son of David, who's also the son of God, but also the son of King David. As, he, as I said, he was resurrected in flesh and bone, carries him there. And, and, and so the angels have their own, God has his own, and, and they're going to come back in this way. And there's, there's going to be a heavenly army coming. What exactly are these things that they arrive? How do they operate? We don't know. And we don't want to kind of project human technology into it. We just want to acknowledge that the Bible presents this. And what, one of the huge discoveries that I made was, was that um, the term, uh, the name of God, Elohim, uh, one of the names of God applied also to the gods of the nations. And once I realized that, that this was the chariot of Elohim, Recha Elohim, I realized, oh, okay, so the, so God and his angels ride this, and the fallen angels have these things too. They all have it. It is, it is, it is a hallmark of the angelic world, not just of the fallen angels. So this is this 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 term of this vehicle is associated with the whole, you know, the, the whole host of them, and, and and so this became for me the empirical evidence of the presence of God and angels in our world. The UFOs the are in fact angels in our world, and yeah. because the good angels, let's call them, they have vehicles. The fallen angels have vehicles. This yeah. would also perhaps explain. Uh, why some people have very um, uplifting, let's say, encounters with the, the so-called ETs, uh, and, and others have torturous, hellish experiences. Well, yeah, well, we do have to be careful. Uh, John says in his, one of his writings that we should test every spirit that comes to us. Um, and uh, even the book of Revelation begins with this massive identification of who's talking to John. You know, the first chapter of the Revelation is who, all kinds of identifying uh, terms from John's, you know, Old Testament tradition. So, so this idea of testing who's talking to you, I would say the majority of the modern-day UFO phenomenon is the fallen angels. But as a whole, you know, take zooming out, this thing is is associated with the world of angels as a whole, even God in the midst of them, you know, has a Merkava. We'll see the throne that moves. Um, so, you know, I mean, look at the Lord. He, he was um, on, on the fishing boats of the Sea of Galilee. He was at the end of Roman whips. He was on the back of a donkey. And that's fine with people, but you put him in the heavens and in the midst of his angels in these vehicles and suddenly it's like you've downgraded him or something <laughs> uh, well no this is even this is even more sophisticated than the donkey which was the most sophisticated thing that he wrote on the earth so so this is not a downgrade this is just an expansion of our understanding that this generation needs because of where this is headed okay let's talk about when we're talking about fallen angels now let's talk about the gods of the ancient world order yes who were the gods after the flood, um, the, this, what happened after the flood? After the flood, what happened was that the nations were divided and 
and they suddenly began to worship these beings. And that is what urbanization is. Urbanization, anthropologists say that in the south of Mesopotamia, suddenly there was a change in the way humanity was, was organized from clans and patriarchies to um, adherence to a royal priest who was a shepherd of the gods. That is how the first cities of the world were born, city-states. There was a, it was a change in the way humans organized their society. What happened? Well, in the south of Mesopotamia, we see suddenly the birth of civilization. And when we look into the, sac- into the texts, some of them sacred, some of them historical, that we found, we carted out from the libraries of Mesopotamia. It talks about how knowledge was given to them by these beings, the gods. And that is the story of the birth of all the civilizations, whether it's Moses going up on a hill, Muhammad receiving recitation, the Avesta of the Zoroastrians, the birth of, of the Hindu culture um, and with the appearance of the Vedic texts, uh, the, the cradle of civilization in Mesopotamia. Suddenly there was this knowledge download. And it's like, well, what does the Bible say about these beings called the gods? And when I looked that up in 2001, 2000, 2001, that period, I, I had a program called eSort, and I, I could put a word in and uh, isolate any word in the Bible, and I looked up the word gods, and I realized that there was close to a thousand passages uh, that talked about this. Actually, you know, here, I can... <laughs> Where'd you go? Guess. There he is. <laughs> I'm here. Sorry about that. And I actually printed out these passages, and I still have them. As I think I kept them as a souvenir. This was the printout of, of all these passages that talked about, about these beings. And as, as I started to, to read them, I sat down and read all of them. And I realized that, first of all, the same term that was used for one of the names and titles of God, Elohim, was used to talk about these beings that are over the nations. And that God was presented in, 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 in connection to them. He was called the God of Gods. Um, and and I thought, well, how could God be the God of mythological beings? And it would say, you know, the Lord is the God of gods. And I started to look into the Hebrew, and I realized the word Lord was Yahweh. And it said that Yahweh was the El of the Elohim, the God of gods, and the Adon of the Adonim, the Lord of lords. And so suddenly there, I, I, I began to see that these creatures that were over the nations, the Bible treated them as real. God judged them, like in the story of Exodus, the gods of Egypt are judged. He admonished them to worship him, you know, worship him, all ye gods. Um, and sometimes he named them, like the Queen of Heaven, Tammuzi, Shemesh. Um, Armaduke. Spoke, yeah, exactly. And uh, and spoke to them, about them in name. Um, and once you sit down and read all the... And also he was presented in conjunction with them. He was their leader as well. He was the God of gods. Um, In Psalm 82, uh, it said, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. And it's interesting because, you know, I I realized there was, the word Elohim was used in both cases. God, as in Elohim, stands in the congregation of the mighty and he judges among the Elohim. So the same term, uh, Elohim can mean the God of Israel, but also the gods of these nations. Um, in the Hebrew thinking, the word Elohim means uh, God as the ruler of authorities. And so God is the ruler of all the authority systems in the creation. 
But there is also these other beings who are of authority and power. And that's why that name is referred to them as well. It can even refer to elders of a tribe or even the head of a family. These are all authority systems, but they all kind of answer to the one authority. As I was meditating on this massive revelation that the gods of the nations were actually the fallen angels, and now I was taking seriously all of these accounts from Mesopotamia, uh, especially from Mesopotamia, but because that was the root of it, but also Egypt and Persia, India and China and Mesoamerica, that there was massive knowledge download that created our world. That we and were the, the Greek pantheon, the Greek pantheon, Zeus and. Uh, Athena and Poseidon, these are not actual, these are not mythological figures. These are fallen angels. They were real. They well, yeah. Were, they were worshipped as gods. They were worshipped as gods. And then I was thinking to myself, you know, and I'm just giving really the short version. This was a massive study I, I did into all of these beings and all these verses in the Bible. Uh, once I, uh, the, you know, the whole thing appeared in my head, I thought, wow, is there a verse that connects them all? And there's a gentleman that had a relationship with Chuck Missler, who's also in the documentary. I attended private Bible studies with him, and, uh, you know, we, we had a relationship. And, and Chuck used to say, when he talked about the sons of God and the story of the ancient giants, he would say, there was one more place where the sons of God is mentioned, That's, but you have to look it up in the Septuagint, not in the Bible as we know it. You have to look it up in this old Bible uh, that, that was the Greek translation of the Old Testament about 300 years before the time of Christ. And, and Ptolemy, the Greek uh, leader of Egypt, asked, uh, he noticed that the laws of all the gods existed in the library of Alexandria, such as, you know, the Code of Hammurabi was given down by Shams, the sun god and all that but not the laws of the God of Israel. So he asked that it be translated. And, and so Chuck used to say, if you look into the Septuagint, you'll see that in the Song of Moses, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 8 and 9, it says um, that when God divided the nations and, and gave them um, their boundaries, um, he did it according to a number of the sons of God, and Jacob he chose as, an, as his own inheritance, uh, instead of what it says in all of our Bibles, which is that the nations were divided according to the number of the sons of Israel. And then Chuck would say this and he would just move on as, hey, there's another place where the term sons of God is mentioned. But with my discovery of the relationship of these beings and the nations, suddenly this term, this sen this verse meant a lot. So I quickly ran to my computer as this idea came to me at, in the conclusion of this research and I put it in. And it was right there in the Septuagint. It did say that. And now I could see that the Bible was saying at the foundation of history, there was a spiritual division. The nations were given into the hands of the fallen angels, who now I understood presented themselves as gods, as idols, as objects of worship. And God chose Jacob for himself. And the same with the God. In other words, Israel. God said, Israel is mine. I will rule over Israel. The rest of you fallen angels have at it. That's right. And, and so in 2006, when we kind of released the documentary, um, I, I walked into a magazine store and suddenly I saw this copy of biblical archaeology that I bought. And in it, there was, you know, the, the altar of, uh, of Zeus, which this uh, person identified as Satan's throne, which was what we had identified in our documentary. In fact, the understanding of the relationship between Zeus and Satan was the key that God used to catapult our mind 
into this entire research of the relationship between the gods. And so I was like, wow, this is interesting. So I, I took it and I went home and I read it. It was an interview with Adela Collins, a Yale professor. And then suddenly in there, she says, when the Most High gave each nation its heritage, declares Deuteronomy 32, verse 8, when he divided the all kingdom... Slow down all, a little bit. You're, you're really... Oh, you're right. Ali. That's okay. Um, <laughs> when he divided all mankind, he laid down the boundaries for peoples according to the sons of Israel. A Dead Sea Scroll fragment containing this verse, however, has the phrase sons of God instead of sons of Israel. The Dead Sea Scroll fragment apparently retains a more original form of the text. The Septuagint... Uh, the third century translation before the time of Christ um, of the Hebrew Bible into Greek also has the sons of God. The early church father, Justin Martyr, who apparently used the text that preserved sons of God, believed that these sons of God were angels to whom God entrusted the care of human beings. Um, and, and Justin Martyr also believed based on Genesis 6, and it goes on. But the point is that, you know, she made a connection uh, between the sons of God um, and the nations and quoting Deuteronomy 32 verse 8 9 and what I learned from Adela Collins in 2006 was that not only did the Septuagint record this version um, uh, of reality but so did the oldest known Hebrew copies of the book of Deuteronomy the Dead Sea Scrolls and this was a huge confirmation I felt like a peace suddenly as though God had just brought this magazine to confirm both the altar, and you have to watch the documentary to learn about that, um, of Zeus and its relationship to Satan, and how that had become a gateway into this research that led to this understanding. So now I had a bridge to the modern-day UFO phenomenon from the days of the flood. What happened after the flood was that these the nations were given to the hands of these beings, and they downloaded they continued to give information the way that the sons of God gave knowledge to humanity before the days of the flood and corrupted the world through that knowledge. That continued into the world after flood. In fact, that's why the early Christians were killed, uh, because they were no longer sacrificing to the gods, who were, who were seen as the backbone of, of power, spiritual power behind the emperors. And so, so the empire, you know, was being weakened. And, and this uh, change of world order um, came after uh, the resurrection of Christ when he went to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit. The Passover lamb who had freed the children of Israel from the gods of Egypt, that same Passover lamb began to, to free people everywhere from bondage to these beings. It's as though Satan had a legal right because he says to Christ that dominion over all the kingdoms has been given to him and he will give it to whomever he will. And so he had a legal right over the nations. In the blood of Christ, there was this purchasing of humanity and whoever kind of pledges allegiance to, to him is removed from this legal obligation and brought into the kingdom in the same you know place Jacob was. And when I looked into the story of the gods, I realized they had flying craft. Like, you know, everyone has heard about, you know, the, the story of Von Donneken, you know, the chariot of the gods that Von Donneken wrote and the whole ancient astronaut theorists that talk about all of these. I don't adhere to that perspective, but I appreciate some of the research. And so I realized that, wow, these beings 
have been with us for a long time over the nations. I mean, that's why there was sightings over the Sea of Jerusalem when the Romans laid siege. That's why there's been sightings over the ages. And coming in the 20th century, looking at the modern-day UFO phenomenon, there was the beginnings of an attempt to reinvent their identity, which was laying the foundations for a coming deception. All right. Uh, We're going to take another time out here when we come back we'll uh, continue along so um where to go next i guess we'll just maybe we can talk about how it comes together now the convergence of how the deception now that we've identified who these guys are let's talk about the propaganda that's released into the world that the saviors of mankind are here and the nephilim kings of the earth that are coming and the connection they will have with this whole phenomenon okay. and in order to lay the foundation of the deception. That's why the UFO phenomenon is being ramped up in the news lately because right. we'll do after that. COVID we've come to a new place in the apocalypse. All right. Back with more of my conversation. Alice Adetan, Think Again Productions. Stay with us. My trusted sponsor, Get the Tea, is having a sale this month on their Apple Cider Plus and one package of their Life Change Tea. What a great combination, considering it's that time of the year to be laying out on the beach or beside a pool in a few less clothes, right? Apple Cider not only helps your digestion along with the tea, but it helps your tummy to feel full to help us cut down on our intake. And don't we all need some of that? Go to getthetea.com to grab that sale this month. I love their tea. It's an absolute priority for me each and every day. This tea keeps my digestion and gut running smoothly. Just brew, steep, refrigerate, and drink. It's that easy. Iced tea and apple cider plus for the summer. Great combination. Go to getthetea.com. Apply code Richard July to get free shipping. That's getthetea.com and enter the code Richard July for free shipping. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Ali Siadatan, Think Again Productions, thinkagainproductions.com. And if you'd like to support Ali's work, you can go to patreon.com forward slash thinkagain. Patreon.com forward slash thinkagain. So let's, uh, let's bring it up to the modern day uh, era. And again, we're in the midst of this modern-day UFO phenomenon, which began 75 years ago, and there have been a number of important developments in the world of ufology, if you will, or disclosure. And, um, uh, you know, it's interesting that uh, just the other day, the uh, James Webb Telescope released these new images uh, of deep, deep space, allowing us to peer deeper into the universe than ever before. And almost back in time, the universe is, what, about 13.8 billion years old. And and uh, this these images supposedly can take us back almost, you know, 12.8 or 13 billion years ago. So not quite back to what they call the Big Bang, the beginning, uh, and, and, and allowing us to glimpse the atmosphere of exoplanets. And so have people, again, once again, speculating about, is this where we look for life, intelligent life on other planets and so forth? So again, the whole, you know, and then we have uh, 2017, the New York Times article about this secret UFO study group deep inside the Pentagon and expectations, again, building, building towards 
some kind of disclosure announcement that we are not alone and, and so forth. So connect that, this disclosure right. movement of modern day times to prophecy. Yeah, so how do we see all this? Once I understood that the UFO presence was an ancient presence, that that we are we humans are of the world of God and angels, and therefore our history is the result of the interaction of the world of God and angels, that that the, the, the fallen angels have given knowledge to all the nations. That's how civilization was born. All of these bodies of knowledge that are the basis of our culture were actually the basis of Mesopotamia, architecture, mathematics, astronomy, military arts, uh, kings, priests, religious laws, the laws of the gods, all of these things. And the story of Israel, which, which begins the story uh, of redemption, you know, with the character of Abraham. And so this, this is the history of humanity and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the altering of the nature of the spiritual landscape from polytheism to monotheism. When, when you kind of come in the 20th century, the Bible tells us that there will be a, God will allow the fallen angels to have one final empire. There's going to be a final empire. We haven't, we're not used to empires. You know, we, there was a Roman empire that kind of broke into pieces uh, and became the various, you know, empires of Europe. There's going to be a final empire. And Israel comes into the land and is going to contend with this final empire. And it's going to have a leader. This is kind of where the prophetic, you know, points. And now these things that have been here for a long time make a massive reappearance. But they're not just making a reappearance. They're rebranding. When you look at the messaging of the UFO phenomenon early on, very early on, like in 1948, you know, I have a book that talks about this, this scientific advisory board that told the uh, uh, American government in 1949 uh, that these guys are here to sell, save us, to rescue us, to help us. Um, enter into the galactic community and put away our, our nuclear, uh, our atomic, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, put away that stuff and put away our violent ways. They're here to help us. And then you, you see, you know, I put this, this poster in the documentary when I was talking about this, I put a poster of a movie called The Day uh, the Earth Stood Still because that was the first piece of Hollywood propaganda that I found that echoed this message as to why is it that aliens have arrived, which in that movie, this alien has arrived and then he uh, puts the entire planet into a minute of silence and shuts down all technology and declares, once he has everyone's attention, the message, which is put away your warlock ways and enter the galactic community peacefully and we were stronger than you. So how could have we known so early on in the research of UFOs in the late 40s and early 50s, when this stuff even started, these UFO flaps, these mass appearances stuff, how could have we ever known what they were intention, what their intentions were? We're just like seeing lights in the sky. So this is this is a plant. Someone is planting a seed in our in our minds, and I have now seen how this idea has basically taken over the UFO world, which is very popular. Tons of people secretly believe that the saviors of the world have arrived. Right. We often hear from abductees, in quotes, that once they're aboard the craft, they're, they're shown 
movies about Earth's future and and we're in peril and often the, the this narrative involves climate change uh, right. and things like that and 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 ec- uh, environmental degradation and they are here as you say to to enlighten us to further our spiritual development so that we can learn to live in harmony with the earth and with nature and and to uh to save to save the planet from uh, Gaia, really, it's it's uh, it's Gaia, right? The Earth is Mother Earth, and it's very pagan sounding. Yeah, the, that was the second phase of, of the messaging. Uh, at first, it was about nuclear war, and then it became about the environment and um, what, like what you're saying. They're telling them there's going to be environmental disasters, and we're here to help you. There's a very famous case that uh, Dr. Johnny Mack from Harvard University, head of psychiatry investigated i think it was a private school in zambia in africa Mm. and there there's a video you can watch on youtube he's talking to a little child who had they see these aliens you know appear in the courtyard this was i think it was yeah zimbabwe zimbabwe uh, yeah hundreds of school children saw yes and and she you know she's describing how he had this big black eye just like like many other abductees describe the same thing and then dr uh johnny mackey says to her so what, what what did you think and she she said as I was looking into his eyes, the idea came to me that we should save the planet, we should save the environment. And then he says, well, did you have this idea before? And she says, no. Like, it came from him, basically. So there's this messaging. You look at Dr. Stephen uh, Greer, who I met uh, um, a long time ago, but he didn't want to be interviewed. Uh, he's not interested in a biblical perspective, but he says that these guys are going to give us gifts as technology to help with the environment. They're going to give us ways to turn salt water into drinking water very cheap and things like that and so there's this environment that becomes an issue and we've seen once i you know when i researched this like in the in the beginning uh, you know around 1998 to 2000 when i started to see that this is what was the messaging i decided to keep an, an eye on what would happen to the politics of the environment because in those days the environment you know there was this greenhouse effect story but it wasn't really so big as it is today and in the past, you know, 20 years, I watched how the environment became more and more a political hot issue until it v- virtually has become the number one political issue. It's become a religion. It's become a religion. And we, I think, should expect that it's going to be a next COVID-like event, that, you know, there's going to be environmental things. And these guys are going to come and say, we'll, we're going to, I don't, you know, some will see who says it, but there'll be representatives that tell us they're going to help us. And these guys are telling the abductees, we will help you when these things happen. Now in the Bible, there's there, it does talk about the judgments of God, like the sun, it says it's going to become very hot and burn people. And that's in uh, revelation chapter 16. So is it that, that, that God is playing with, you know, the astrophysics of the planet and these guys are twisting it around uh, to make it look like it's, you know, carbon creation on all of these stories. But definitely, again, they're positioning themselves as the saviors of the human race in light of some great disastrous idea. But that's the big message. And the saviors of the earth have arrived, and they're no longer the gods of the ancient world. That's how they presented themselves to their to our ancestors. They're rebranding as modern-day gods or aliens. And... Um, um, it's, it's, it's important to understand where the idea of aliens came from. 
Um, when you go back, are there real aliens? By the way, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. Gods, or we talk about angels, but does that necessarily there, mean that there are no other, there, there are no extraterrestrials out there? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Basically, um, it comes down to worldview. Um, starting with Galileo and Isaac Newton, all these guys, we they start to change the nature of reality in our thinking. We're no longer in the heavens and on the earth. And this, these beings are no longer the host of the heavens and we the host of the earth. These guys start to tell us that we're in the universe. And we're like, what's the universe? They're like, well, I don't know. We're going to have to discover what it is. We'll decide for ourselves what it is. It's a bunch of gases and rocks. And here's a telescope. You can peer into it like you were mentioning with the James Webb telescope. And it's like, okay, so gradually we started to have a different view of reality. And a lot of these guys, you know, Galileo and Newton, I respect their research, but they're also Masons. And the, the, the nature of reality altered. Then Darwin comes and he provides kind of the creation myth of the atheist. And, and people then begin to project Darwin's theories into this secular scientific concept of the universe. And they go, well, if we were, you know, evolved here, these beings evolved elsewhere, and they're visiting the Earth. So we start to create a fairy tale to explain the modern-day UFO phenomenon. And the reason our worldview has been set up leading to the 20th century is because these guys can now rebrand themselves as aliens into this secular worldview they've created for us. But if we're not in the universe in, the, in that sense, we're actually in the heavens, and even if our history is born of the interaction of our culture and the world of God and angels, then if there are beings in these other planets, they are also part of the kingdom of God. They have a relationship with the presence of God and angels in it. Okay, I got to jump in here. I got to take a quick time out. We'll come back. Ali Siadatan stays with us. Think Again Productions. Call it the miracle molecule, carbon 60 or C60, for my good friends at C60Evo.com. And I take a tablespoon every morning. It delivers more than 172 times the power of vitamin C. C60 is a known antiviral, antioxidant, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. It's a remedy that works. C60 Evo users consistently enjoy better sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. This alone is worth the cost of the bottle. I sleep like a baby. I have no aches or pains. Zero. I'm 58, and I don't have a gray hair on my head. Get your miracle in a bottle. C60 from C60Evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. C60Evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Use the coupon code EVRS at checkout and save an additional 10%. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you have a medical concern, please contact your healthcare provider. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Ali Siadatan, Think Again Productions. Okay, we've got some ground to cover here. I want to jump ahead um, to the rise of the modern-day hybrids, which is, I guess, kind of wrapped up with the alien abduction phenomenon, so-called, which mirrors the, uh, you know, Genesis 6. Yeah, the, the Genesis 6 said that it would happen then and afterwards, the creation of these hybrids. And so what's interesting is that Daniel chapter 2, very important, one of the most important chapters of, of the Bible, I mean, 
not that every chapter in the Bible is important from my point of view, but Daniel chapter 2 gives us kind of a blueprint map of the world's imperial system until the Messianic kingdom established by God. And it tells us that at the end of days, there's going to be 10 kings. There are going to be a coalition of 10 kings. And it tells us that these 10 kings are born of the commingling of seats, that they shall mingle their seeds with the seed of man, and it's the plural masculine pronoun, the they. So it's something other than man that's going to mingle their seeds with the seed of man. And then it, the next verse talks about the rise of these ten kings, and then it says it's in the days of these kings that God will establish a kingdom. And these ten kings are going to have a leader. And this leader is referred to as the seed of the serpent. It's one of the names that he has. And, and there's a, this is a continuation of, of this phenomenon that goes back to the Genesis 6. Now, Jesus talked about the parable of wheat and tares, that God planted his seed in the garden, and while he was sleeping, whatever that means, maybe it was the Sabbath, I don't know, the devil came and planted his seed in the garden. So the earth was seeded with life, then, then the life was seeded with knowledge, and that's how civilization began. But some of this knowledge was perversion of God's creation. The seeds that the enemy planted were not just ideas to pervert reality, like these laws and teachings that were brought into the world to go against the teachings of God, but it may have actually been real, literal seed. They had hybrid offsprings, and these hybrid offsprings became kings, like Gilgamesh, Minos um, from the island of Crete, uh, Sihon and Og, two Nephilim kings mentioned in the very Bible, warriors such as Goliath, uh, but there are also other warriors mentioned outside of the Bible, like Hercules, Achilles, etc., so, so this phenomenon is coming back. Some of it is the ancient bloodlines. Some of it is the modern-day uh, creation of hybrids. But there's going to be a, rule, a leadership over us once again from these guys. And at the helm of it, there's going to be this man who is called the city servant. And he's going to do lying signs and wonders, miracles, essentially, and make fire come from the sky. He's going to speak against God and the hosts of the heavens. It says that in the book of Daniel, we're not used to world leader. So this this is where is this all going? There's going to be a final empire. But this empire is very different from all the empires before in the in this overt connection to to the supernatural. And it seems that the rebranding of the fallen angels as as these, you know, uh, modern day aliens is is maybe comes out of the kind of the cloak of secrecy, and that's why we're seeing all this disclosure. They're kind of getting the culture ready. Years ago, I read a CIA report that had done a psychoanalysis of the culture that it would be too dangerous to tell people they're aliens here. It would just create chaos. So there has been this kind of grizzling of information in order to pre prepare the culture, which already believes in the presence of these beings in mass. I mean, people come up to me all the time because I'm a researcher and confide that, that they do believe the saviors of humanity are here. But this is the great lie, and it's already kind of started, or the culture. We're going to see the rise of a Nephilim kingdom. We're going to see the rise of, of one who is the leader of them all, and he is going to, you know, make these lying signs and wonders. To what end? Well, we know that his empire will last for seven years, and 
at the end of it, when the Lord and his angels enter history during this prophetic war centered around the city of Jerusalem, it says that the world in many places in the Bible, in the book of Joel, in the book of Revelation, in the book of Zechariah, it says that the, the nations will gather against what we would call the second coming of God. And it sounds crazy. Why would the nations go to war against God? I mean, not believing in God, rebelling against God, fine, but going to war against God. Well, of all the lies and deceptions that began in the Garden of Eden with a conversation between Satan and Eve, and, and, and the altering of the nature of reality by creating these thought veils, the Bible says there's going to be a final act of deception. All right, let's get to the the final deception again. Now the world uh, being ruled by a coalition of these 10 Nephilim kings. Uh, at the head of them is the, the, uh, the serpent seed, the Antichrist. Yes, and, and this is happening to us, by the way, because we are of the world of God and angels. And I just want to say that when you look at the story of the Bible, the prophets of Israel, they paint a beautiful picture of humanity's future, uh, full of hope, uh, an incredible redeemed earth. Basically, Jesus ushers in a utopia. But the book of Daniel tells us of the age of empires and the collision it, you know, uh, uh, of, of the prophetic dream of the prophets of Israel and this final empire. And it culminates in a cosmic battle. Now that we're seeing that God is preparing us for the true nature of how this is going to go down, that the Lord and his angels will come in these things they ride. Um, and the, these fallen angels have already started to prepare the culture for a rebranding of themselves. And then they're going to take this rebranding this is a conjecture, but this is a, this is something many people uh, are thinking about. They're going to then rebrand the Lord and his angels also as an invading alien force. And they're going to kind of reverse reality, which is something they've been doing for a long time, which is they're going to present him as the one who gave us religion, who's, who wants to be worshipped, who's bad. And from the beginning, like the Masons, you know, they say, oh, Lucifer was the good guy. He wanted to give us knowledge. And God kind of, the, the Hebrew God kind of prevented it. This is the continuation of the same line of thinking. That the ones that are here and their hybrid civilization, which it's just like they're, they're tapping into the ones that were made in the image of God and creating beings in their own image. They're trying to replace this resurrected, uh, you know, priesthood which is going to be part of the kingdom of god they're trying to create their own version of it you know they're, they're, they're they, they have their own leader they have a race in, in the image of their of the fallen angels and they want to kind of create that empire here and carry it into the heavens so they're going to rebrand the lord they're going to rebrand him as an invading alien force it's going to be like a good cop bad cop scenario and, and, and they're going to present themselves as the good cops and the Lord is the bad cop. They're going to reverse reality. And this is how they're going to deceive and lie the nation, to the nations and behind this king of the king of the nations. Because the Psalm 2 says, why do the nations gather against God and against his Messiah? Um, and so this is kind of, you know, what's going to happen. There's, they're, the nations are going to have a king of the king of the nations. And he's going to gather the nations with this deception against the second coming of the Lord. And now we have the Battle of Armageddon, a cosmic war. This is where the UFO phenomenon is headed. But to understand it, you have to kind of unravel the puzzle 
from the beginning and put all the pieces together, and then it comes together in this way. This becomes a biblical perspective of this increasing heartbeat of disclosure that we're seeing. It's headed to a final deception that rallies the world against the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is a possibility, a very real possibility now. So the people that are promoting UFO disclosure, um, are they just useful idiots that, that, that don't understand? Are they maybe not useful? Idiots is strong. Useful fools. They're not fools. They're actually, you know, uh, if you don't have salesmen for the Antichrist. I mean, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, your your mind and heart are open to deception. So you kind of catch a wind uh, of whatever the culture is throwing at you. And so a lot of the guys that are into this phenomenon are just not into God. And so they are being already deceived by this great angelic, you know, propaganda. It's very powerful. They, they reach into people's mind. There's energy. There's ideas being thrown out. And then some of the, perhaps some of the top guys, you know, who is it that's in contact with them and worships them already? I mean, you look at, for instance, Lord Bacon, you know, the, the great Mason. He was allowed to see these creatures. They call them in masonry the unknowable ones. And these, these creatures of light that appear to the top masons. And so maybe some of these top guys have some sort of communication, but, but most of the people get deceived because their heart is not in the right place. You have to be sealed by the Holy Spirit, and then you have God's perspective flowing through your consciousness, and the scriptures open to you. So it's very important, now more than ever, to make one's peace with the King of Kings, because we're entering into the transition of history from the Age of Empire to the Messianic Kingdom. Um, there's going to be a great unveiling of, all, of, 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 of the Lord and his angels, and the world of these things is colliding with the human world. That's why it's seeping through in the form of the UFO phenomenon. It's already upon us. As I said at the beginning, a sign in the heavens was given in 1947 when a sign on the earth appeared of the reborn nation of Israel because this is telling us we have entered this age of history. We're, we're basically in the beginning of the birth pang years in 1947. And now we're seeing since COVID an acceleration in this you know, if we use the imagery of a woman giving birth, that um, the, it gets uh, the contractions get closer and closer as you get. So, as this age of history is about to give birth to the next one, the contractions are going to intensify, and so we're headed in an accelerated way into these deceptions. And if you don't really have this preparation from Scripture, it's going to be hard to put it all together and, and not to be deceived. So, it's, you need the Holy Spirit. If people want to know more about this. I do recommend that they listen to the series on Book of Revelation and on the Patreon account. They can go on my thinkagainproductions.com and sign up for the newsletter, go to YouTube and sign up for the YouTube. There's videos coming and, and you know, I serve the community uh, that's supporting me and uh, keep people uh, in the loop as to uh, what the Bible says about all of these mysteries. Patreon.com forward slash thinkagain. Patreon.com forward slash Think Again, and also thinkagainproductions.com. And um, always a, a great pleasure, Ali. Uh, just very quickly, the the audio um, is like an audio book of your analysis of every chapter of Revelation. 
Yes, 22 chapters. There's one chapter uploaded per week starting tomorrow when people get the first chapter, and you'll get a chapter per week, and you get to listen to it. It's it's not always verse by verse, but it's pretty close because the book of Revelation is very rich, and you know, if you went verse by verse, you could just talk for hours. But much of what's in every chapter is pointed out, and from this point of view, that the apocalypse is basically mainly the war of fallen angels and their hybrid offsprings and their kingdom against the second coming of God. That's really what it is. God is kind of, you know, we talked about the days of Noah, but also the days of Exodus, where God comes and frees his people from the yoke of the Pharaoh and of his gods. That through what? Through the Passover lamb. And that is also eschatological. talking about the end of days. When the Lord comes and frees us, delivers us from the Antichrist, who is like the Pharaoh, and the spiritual forces that are behind him, like the gods of Egypt. You know, and we are the benefactors. This is a rescue mission. This is the final redemption, the good news. So the, God is in control. We shouldn't be afraid. God is in charge completely, even of, of the devil and of his angels. And, and the kingdom of God is, is, is winning and is sovereign. This is just a moment in history where this conflict happens. So God is going to remove it. This is a beautiful time to be alive as we enter into the next age of history into a utopia that's what the bible says all right ali thank you again thinkagainproductions.com all the best my friend thank you very much for having richard a new richard Serrett's strange planet drops every monday wednesday and friday subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com